What's up, everybody? Welcome to the All In Man Cave Podcast Championship Week, NFC and AFC Championship Week edition. I am your awesome host of this great sports podcast, Cole Hate. We're we're at, we're at the championship week. It's awesome. Uh, the NFL is coming sh- very close to a close uh, for this season. It's been a great season. There's been highs, there's been lows, there's been crazy things that have happened uh, throughout this season, but there's only four teams left. And after that, we'll know after this week, actually, after about 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday, we'll know exactly the two teams that will be playing in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium for the Super Bowl. It's it's great. It's it, this season's been so awesome. I started the podcast, I believe, in early June. Uh, we've seen a lot of stuff happen in this this year's off season. We've stepped it through the preseason, through the regular season, and into uh, the playoffs as well. So great first year for the podcast. I appreciate everybody listening out there. Uh, word of mouth spreading of the podcast. Uh, all the listeners, first time listeners, listeners that have been with me uh, with the All In Man K podcast since it's. Been beginning thank you so much remember to add me on twitter at all in man cave pod and also remember to add me on facebook uh cole hate c-o-l-e-h-a-y-d as in dog t as in tom uh so there's only two games we're going to talk about those at the end i have picks as well uh to go along with that for a for what will be a mini parlay i guess you could call it uh for this week uh as we continue the ek parlay continue uh, considering we have not won on the EK parlay yet since its birth in about week five. So we've gone a lot of weeks without a win. Hopefully we can get a big win this week. But I wanted to talk first a little bit about some of the GM and head coaching hires that have happened uh, since some of these teams have fired and or their coaches, their head coaches have resigned. Uh, and we're going to talk about a few of these teams, some of the some of the hires that I've seen recently uh, to go along with my Minnesota Vikings finally making a GM hire. So uh, we're going to talk about that stuff a little bit, and then we'll hop into uh, going over the games, what to look for, uh, my picks, and it'll be probably a shorter pod. But uh, let's 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 start off with the um, Chicago Bears uh, with a GM hire and a head coach hire. Uh, So the Chicago Bears hired uh, Ryan Poles as their GM. Uh, Ryan Poles was an offensive lineman, so he's a former player. Uh, Take that into consideration when when looking as a Chiefs fan or as an NFL fan to how he makes decisions. Uh, Typically, former players definitely make different decisions than maybe somebody uh, who's very analytical that basically only worked on the corporate side of the NFL. Uh, But this guy actually worked in the NFL as a player, worked in the Chiefs front office for a decent amount of time, and that organization is spawning some great people. Uh, it's no joke. Uh, you've seen their team the past five years uh, with Patrick Mahomes, with some of the ways that they've constructed their roster in terms of the offensive line, in terms of being able to keep all their playmakers and still acquiring some uh, playmakers as well to be good complement pieces. Uh, Ryan Poles is a great pickup. Now, as a Vikings fan, clearly uh, not rooting for anybody in the NFC North uh, to be better than the Vikings. However, I, I like Ryan Poles. He was up there in the uh, the fr- as a front front runner for the Vikings to hire as GM. Uh, The Bears snagged him uh, before he even could have his second interview in Minnesota. So uh, the Bears snatched him up. They're going to actually try and re- configure this roster their roster started to go a little wonky uh, I'm thinking last year even the end of the previous year uh, was with a, a wrong 
what should I say? A wrong match of, of rookies and, and elder statesmen, I guess you could say, or veterans, as they typically are called in the NFL. Uh, and their, their coaching staffs never really saw eye to eye. Uh, in terms of their philosophies. Now, did they work together or attempt to? Absolutely. Uh, but if your ideology and what you want to do is not the same as somebody else's, clearly it's there's going to be a problem. There's going to be an issue. Uh, there's always going to be butting heads, whether or not that's verbal uh, or if it's maybe just subconscious. Uh, if, if, it's, if it's not a match, it's not going to work. So uh, it he was drafted by the Bears, which is the coolest part of this story. Uh, undrafted free agent, I think, out of Boston College. Uh, offensive lineman, Bears drafted him. Uh, he played for a little bit and then started to work his way up in the Chiefs organization in terms of his responsibilities, what he's what he's learned, uh, and, and, and all that jazz. So uh, interested to see what the Bears do here. They have a, a weird situation with what they want to do with Justin Fields, how they want to do complimentary pieces for him, rebuilding their defense, uh, and, and upgrading their special teams. So that's all things that I think Ryan Poles is going to be good for them for. Uh, for all the Chicago Bears out there, I am giving you a virtual thumb up because clearly you cannot see me because this is a podcast, but I, I like Ryan Poles. He's 36 years old, relatively young, uh, but you're seeing a transition in the NFL right now where younger guys are starting to become more influential and better choices in terms of, of, of important positions moving forward for your football team. Now, on the other side of it, uh, head coach was also announced in Matt Eberflus, uh, 51-year-old defensive coordinator formerly for the Indianapolis Colts. He has a very long history in terms of being successful in terms of his defensive ideologies, the way he he prepares his defense. The Indianapolis Colts defense has been a monster uh, for the past few years, uh, headed uh, by Darius Leonard, their, their awesome, awesome middle linebacker. So uh, here's the thing. Uh, Matt Eberflus, good guy, uh, not a really loud guy, uh, kind of qu- more quiet or on the quiet side, uh, but in Chicago, I, I kind of had an inkling or a feeling that they were going to go with a relatively defensive-minded head coach. Now, I think they get a very good complimentary piece as an offensive coordinator so that the, the head coach, Matt Eberflus, and whoever he chooses uh, as an offensive coordinator are going to work hand-in-hand together. Uh, Matt Eberflus probably going to call the plays on defense, and then he's going to leave the offense up to the offensive coordinator. And and they're just going to be a, a tandem. Uh, and we can see some big things coming out of Chicago if they're able to re reevaluate, kind of restructure the roster in terms of defensive starters. And they're also able to, to surround uh, Justin Fields with offensive pieces and definitely revamp their terrible offensive line uh, for the Chicago Bears to make a decent run. Like there's uh, in the NFC, there's not that many teams that that are completely out of it. And I know going into next year that they're still going to be out of it. It, there was a big clump kind of in the mediocre category uh, in the NFC, which my Minnesota Vikings probably fall into as well. Uh, but but good things should be coming out of Chicago. Uh, from starting from right now, I know he's only been hired for a few days, uh, to go along with the GM who who's only been hired for probably a week, if that. But there, there should be some good things coming out of Chicago. As a Bears fan, I would be pretty excited with these with these coaching hires. Uh, there's nothing really that jumps out at me that would be a huge red flag uh, or to just throw up the surrender flag. So I like I like what I've seen out of the Chicago hires. So we'll see what happens and what they do in the offseason. Next is not really official, but the Jacksonville Jaguars – 
they have not hired a GM. That spot is still vacant. Uh, but I thought, and this was right after I recorded the last podcast, which I came out with on Tuesday. I think I got something to my phone, an update. It was either Schefter or Rap Sheet. Uh, that said that uh, Byron Leftwich was going to be the next head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, it's been multiple days, and he hasn't been announced, uh, which leads me to believe that that's not actually true. So I wanted to bring this in here just to kind of talk through it because I don't really know. I don't really know why he hasn't been head coach yet. And so I dug into why they haven't announced him yet, and it could be one of two things. They could be waiting on somebody who's still currently in the playoffs uh, to hire as head coach, uh, which is very plausible. Uh, or it could be that, uh, and some of this stuff came out, and if I didn't say it on the podcast, I apologize, but I'll bring it to your guys' attention right now. Byron Leftwich and Adrian Wilson, former safety uh, for the, the Arizona Cardinals, are, are now linked as a duo GM and head coaching hire combination. They, they're they're very good friends. They want to go to the same spot together. Uh, so that might be the one thing that's kind of holding Jacksonville back from pulling the trigger on Byron Leftwich because they're not a huge fan of Adrian Wilson at GM. Now, this could burn burn Byron Leftwich. Uh, it could burn Adrian Wilson. Uh, or it could burn the Bears if it doesn't work out. So th- this is a decision that's not taken very lightly, especially uh, on a football team that lost – their GM and lost their head coach. So the vacancy might be the issue. I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm very hesitant with Byron Leftwich, former quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So another story of a link that a player, a former player played for the team that they're now in the running for, for a, a bigger position. Um, but why? And the why for me is, is, is a hesitation, a hesitation issue. Byron Leftwich has had some success in his career, most of it with Tom Brady at quarterback. You get into this combination, you get into this 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 interpretation of is Byron Leftwich's play calling the reason why the Bucks are successful, or is it Tom Brady? And you're really not ever going to know, and those two individuals are not going to tell you. So you kind of have to make your best inference. Tom Brady has full. Full control of the offense, I believe, in terms of audibles, in terms of changing the plays. And the only way you would know is how many times that he's audible and had to change the play during a game, which is not a concrete fact. There's no analytics on that. There's no stat on that. So take it with a grain of salt. I think Byron Leftwich has a lot to offer. He's a, he's a player's coach. He, he, from what I've seen, he calls good. He calls good plays. He has a lot of respect coming for him from Tom Brady. So I, I think he would be a good head coach. I think what's just holding the Jacksonville Jaguars back from pulling the actual trigger. Uh, to my knowledge, that trigger has not been pulled yet. Uh, I honestly haven't gotten anything or read anything in the past three hours to cha- to prove otherwise. So if I'm completely off and they've already actually announced him, I apologize. But it doesn't look like they have. So if that's the case, I think it's the Adrian Wilson uh, combination thing that they're dealing with. Like, do they want to make this change? Is this going to be the move moving forward? Does he really want to work just with Adrian Wilson? Is that the the is that the the one rock uh, that needs to be moved for him to to say absolutely I'm down to to coach this football team? That's probably what it is. 
Um, but also it could be maybe they don't trust him enough to call plays and they think Tom Brady's the one who's doing it. So uh, we'll keep an eye on the Jaguars. Any updates, obviously, with most of these coaching vacancies uh, starting to get filled now. We're probably going to have a, a few more teams drop relatively soon here, especially teams that don't have a GM yet either or ones that just hired one where they're going to be pushing really hard to fill that spot. Next team we're going to talk about is the Denver Broncos, who hired former Green Bay Packer offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, the 42-year-old, uh, got stole him from Green Bay. Uh, this is this just screams, uh, this just literally screams media frenzy. So uh, the the, court, the the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, already linked to Denver. Now they're now Denver Broncos hire the offensive coordinator from the Packers currently to be the head coach in in Denver. This screams Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver. Now, that's a complete overreaction. And anybody who watches sports or has watched sports for a decent amount of time and can kind of put two and two together, the media is going to eat this alive. This is going to be the story until Aaron Rodgers either restructures his contract or gets traded. This is going to be the biggest story in the NFL other than the fact of the teams playing for the Super Bowl. This is going to be all over the offseason. If it takes Aaron Rodgers forever to decide what he wants to do, what's going to happen, and what have you, uh, Aaron Rodgers is on the Pat McAfee show every single Tuesday. The last one was this past Tuesday. Uh, I don't get. I don't really listen to podcasts the day they're, they are uh, released. Or sorry, the day that they're live, uh, the Pat McAfee show, show goes live, and then they put it up after it's done uh, on podcast platforms so that you can listen to it uh, rather than watch it on YouTube since most people are at work when they're live. So I listened to it the next day, the next morning, I guess you should say. Uh, so I didn't know about this until after I recorded the podcast. But he was on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, he's taking it slow, does not going to make any any decisions. But he said he was going to make his decision live on the Pat McAfee show when he makes his decision on whether he's going to retire, what team he's going to want to play for, or, or if he's going to restructure with Green Bay. He's going to do it live on the Pat McAfee show. So for anybody out there that listens to the Pat McAfee show, you will see it live eventually when he makes his decision rather than him releasing it to the media rap sheet Schefter or some some other media outlet so interesting to note see what happens but the, the media is going to eat this alive I like Nathaniel Hackett their offense is pretty dynamic in terms of what they do with the running backs what they do with uh, the combination routes down the field and how they utilize their tight ends uh, to be successful as well uh, and their offensive line which I don't think Nathaniel Hackett can take 100% of the credit for, uh, but they've been dinged up all year, and Aaron Rodgers has been still making amazing throws and has time back there. So it, it, he probably has Nathaniel Hackett probably has a a, a hand in in the offensive line as well. But uh, this is very good for the Denver Broncos. If I'm a Broncos fan, I love this hire. This guy's got a lot of promise. 42 years old. He seems like the right guy for the position. He he doesn't seem like the moment will be too big for him. And I think he's going to be able to lead a team and take some of the stuff he did in Green Bay and apply it to some of the awesome players and skill sets of some of these players that are currently on the Denver Broncos. So kudos to Nathaniel Hackett uh, for getting a head coaching job. Uh, but he's going to do probably anything he can to get his quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, to Denver. So we'll keep an eye on that uh, moving forward for sure. Lastly, on my list of things to talk about, the Minnesota Vikings, my Minnesota Vikings, uh, have hired Kwesi Adolfo Mensa as their GM. Uh, he is a very analytical man. 
uh, comes from Cleveland. He spent a lot of time in the 49ers organization as well previously. Uh, VP of football operations uh, for the Browns. He had a lot of intricate, detailed work that he did with the 49ers before he went to the Browns. Uh, He's had a lot of people that he's learned from. I watched his entire 36-minute introductory press conference. Uh, I I really like this guy, and and I like him as a person. I don't know much about him in terms of his productivity, what he did specifically. He talked about it a little bit, but at brief – um, while they were questioning him on at his introductory press conference, but a younger analytical type guy. Uh, he went to Princeton. He's a smart guy. Uh, he loves analytics. He worked on Wall Street. He's going to be good with numbers. Uh, so he's probably going to be good in terms of roster construction. He's going to be good in terms of how much he talked about collaboration and, and some of the stuff that he learned and the stories he told from what his time in Cleveland as well as his time in San Francisco He's definitely uh, the right guy for this job. Now, uh, I we're going to see, and, and I typically lean towards uh, your GM can be really good, uh, but if your GM hires the wrong coach, then you're just, you're in the same spot you were in uh, when your team was, was literally jobless in terms of a head coach and a GM. So he needs to make the right hire. The Vikings have started to interview people again um, that were not currently of the eight that they've already um, interviewed. Sorry, interviewed. I might have said hired before, but they've interviewed eight candidates. They just announced that they're going to interview the defensive coordinator for the Giants. God knows why they would want to do that. Uh, But I'm thinking that this goes one of two ways. Now, follow me through this. I honestly think that they're trying to buy time because I think the next head coach of the Vikings is going to be defensive coordinator for the 49ers to me, go Ryan's. I only say that because of how close-knit Kwesi uh, Adolfo Mensa was with the 49ers and all the close connections he built based on the way he talked in the press conference. They probably would have picked a coach already, uh, but because D'Amico Ryans is still in the running of being a part of the 49ers of the Super Bowl, I think that they're trying to buy time. I think that there's probably some people uh, with this GM hire that him himself – uh, wants, he wants to interview that they haven't currently interviewed just to see what's out there as well. But I think they're most likely buying time because I think if it's not D'Amico Ryans, it's another coach on another team that is still in the playoffs currently. So I don't think the Vikings are going to make a head coaching hire until after the Super Bowl unless the team, one of the teams that they're looking at, because uh, it could be multiple people, Kevin O'Connell, uh, the offensive coordinator for the uh, Rams right now. He's in the in the running as well. You've got Eric Bieniemy for the Chiefs. You've got D'Amico Ryan's, uh, even Mike McDaniel for the for the 49ers as well. There's a lot of coordinators right now that are still in the mix for the Super Bowl that may be off limits in terms of officially announcing as another team's head coach or what have you, whatever position. So that's what I think the Vikings are doing. I like the way this guy spoke about his family, about about what he wants from an organization, about how he's going to learn about the players, how he wants to learn about the culture. Uh, this is all things that I did not hear from a head coach, it, from a head coach like Mike Zimmer. Uh, and I didn't hear much about it from Rick Spielman, although I liked Rick Spielman, GM, former GM of the Vikings, more than head coach Mike Z- former head coach Mike Zimmer. But th- this is all good stuff I want to hear. Now, is he feeding me what I want to hear? Maybe. It's the media. 
So it, it could be he's feeding me what I want to hear. But I honestly believe this man based on the tone, based on listening the way he spoke, how important his family is, how important his his experiences with these other teams he worked for have prepared him and how he learned in Wall Street how to be a good leader and how he decided to view his life and how he makes his decisions, I think is perfect for the Vikings to kind of reset but not have to rebuild, if that makes any sense. All right, let's move into the football games. Uh, Like I said, if any other coaches drop, I'll keep adding them to the podcast that I come out with on Tuesday afternoon slash night and Friday afternoon slash night until the end of the season. Uh, Obviously, uh, we're going to have content off-season content there's always going to be NFL content even if there's basically nothing going on so I'll add these coaches to some of these upcoming podcasts maybe between the Super Bowl week uh when they're off for a week before the Super Bowl is uh, we'll do a lot of stuff on the Super Bowl kind of take a deep dive into the two teams that eventually make it there but let's talk about the let's talk about the matchups and this is this is going to be a very interesting slate of games now nothing I think could ever trump what happened last weekend they're not we're not going to have another another week of all nail biting games that are all entertaining i don't think it's possible even though it's it's not impossible but it's very unlikely so let's talk about the first game uh the Bengals are at the kansas city chiefs in arrowhead joe burrow's on a big stage joe burrow is on a huge stage so Listen, they these teams have played already. The Bengals beat the Chiefs 34 to 31. I don't think that that game itself has a very good I don't think that's a very good representation on how this game could go. I don't think there's any way in hell that that game goes the same way with Jamar Chase having over 250 yards receiving, Joe Burrow having almost 450 yards passing as well as four TDs. And Patrick Mahomes kind of slipping in the second half, which is basically what happened in that football game uh, from not maybe only a month ago. That's maybe a little more than a month ago. I think it was like week 15. But I, I don't know, and I don't think that Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, even though they're they're very polarizing players and they're very good players coming into this game, I think it's going to be about the defenses. And... I only say this because both of them are inconsistent. Tyron Matthew took a big hit in the game last week against the Bills. He was rolled out for the rest of the game. It looks like he's good to go. So Tyron Matthew will be back on on the field for the Chiefs. I've never been the biggest fan of Tyron Matthew as a safety. The man is a very good football player. But I think he gets burnt in coverage. I think sometimes he's overly aggressive. And it's not really built for a big game like this. Now, if you put him up in run defense, you put him up in in run defense and and he's going to get a running back or you're blitzing him off the edge or you're asking him to make a tackle in the open field, I'm 100% I want Tyron Matthew. But to cover a a big body tight end or to cover a wide receiver that currently plays for the Cincinnati Bengals, I would put him at a bit of a disadvantage. Now, that has nothing to do with how how I feel overall about the Chiefs' defense. But for him personally, I've heard a lot of people, oh, well, Tyron Matthews back. I don't think he's as big of an impact as as a football player. I think he impacts as a leader. I think he has, has a very good impact on that defense as a leader, uh, as a role model. 
uh, him on the field may just give the the Chiefs defense a little bit more of a boost, maybe more of a more exciting boost uh, than normal. But they played awful last week against the Buffalo Bills. Awful. And, and you can't just forget about that. Now, you do have Patrick Mahomes. You have all the offensive weapons. And they're going against a Cincinnati defense that's very inconsistent, just like the Chiefs defense is. So the defense is going to be what you should keep your eye on. How the defense performs is going to basically gear a gear or pave the way for the way Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow put up stats and their offenses run in this football game. I I don't know I don't know what's going to happen, but the one the one other thing that really jumps out at me about this game is that the Chiefs have been here and they know what it's like to be here and they're at home against a team who hasn't been there, a team that's on the road, and a team that's, uh, quite frankly, a, a Cinderella story this this season. They're basically the AFC Cinderella story. Now, we'll talk about the NFC Cinderella story in a minute, but they're, they're the Cinderella story, and how long can the story last as well as they play? So I expect this to be a highly competitive game. I think the offenses are going to be able to score, but the defenses are going to try and stop them. Now, the other thing we got to take a look at is all the playmakers on the field in this game as well. So you got Jamar Chase against a subpar, I would say subpar Chiefs secondary. Now, the Chiefs front seven is pretty good. Their linebackers are very good even though they're young. Their defensive line gets pressure even though sometimes they're inconsistent depending on the play of Chris Jones and some of their defensive ends. But their secondary is relatively weak. Now, uh, me and my buddy Greg, shout out to Greg again. I don't know how many times I've shouted him out on the podcast, but shout out to Greg again. We, we've we've torn apart probably in the past three years, probably the past three years, we've torn apart a lot of the cornerbacks for the Kansas City Chiefs, whether that be Steven Nelson, uh, Chavarius Ward, uh, Mike Hughes, who got traded from the Vikings to the Chiefs. He gets burned on multiple passes last week. We talked about him as well. The Chiefs' cornerbacks are just weak overall. They're just weak. Now, LeJarius Sneed, he was considered a top 100 player going into this season. Uh, he hasn't really lived up to it, uh, and he does get burnt on routes as well. Uh, Juan Thornhill in the back, uh, also uh, right aside of Tyron Matthew at the safety position. I like Juan Thornhill. I think he's a good player. He's probably their second-best player besides Tyron Matthew, uh, but their cornerbacks can't cover anyone. Like they can't, they're not consistent. They make plays sometimes, but as do most football players, that's why they're professional athletes. So the Chiefs secondary, if the Chiefs secondary is even able to play at a mediocre level, the Chiefs win this football game. And now if they're bad, if they're really bad, this game's going to be really close. But the Chiefs secondary, I think, has the most pressure on them in this football game. And honestly, Patrick Mahomes is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow is going to be Joe Burrow. Those are extremely good athletes. Uh, obviously, if I had to pin them against each other, I would clearly give Patrick Mahomes the edge. He's been there. They've been to multiple AFC championship games, all at home. They've been in Super Bowls. Their team has been consistent in terms of their offensive playmakers uh, with Patrick Mahomes throwing them the football, handing them the football, however he's getting them the football. But... I think it's on the Chiefs' defense to come out and perform like they did when their defense was top three in the league, giving up 16 points a game way back when, uh, when everyone thought the Chiefs were gone, when they were, what, three and five, three and four? Uh, they, the, this, the defense stepped it up when the offense was struggling, and then that defense needs to come up when the come up in this game when the offense is not struggling. So my picks are in. 
I am going with, and I told you guys, I never, ever take the Chiefs minus points. Never. Now, I may do it in the Super Bowl if they win this game, uh, depending on who they're playing. However, I will, again, not take the Chiefs minus points. So I am going to take the Bengals plus seven. However, the Chiefs are going to win the football game. It's going to be a similar game that we saw last week. Now, the scores may be a bit lower. Uh, the scores may be a bit higher. Um, but it's a playoff game that you're just trying to win, which always opens up the backdoor cover. Uh, you're up by, say the Chiefs are up by 10, there's two minutes left, um, and then they start to, the Bengals start to drive the ball down the field. Now there's only 30 seconds left. They're going to let them score a TD. They're going to. To waste more time, they're going to because they know that they're not, they have a bad chance of, of stopping the Chiefs with 20 seconds left and getting a field goal to tie it up. So I'm taking the Bengals plus seven, but I will absolutely not take the under, not with the way Patrick Mahomes is playing and not the way Joe Burrow is playing, and definitely not because of the inconsistencies of both of their defenses. So I'm going with the over here of 54-and-a-half. Next game, the 49ers are at the Los Angeles Rams. Rams are the first team in NFL history to have a championship game played in their stadium, and then the Super Bowl also played in their stadium, uh, which is awesome if you're a Rams player or if you're a Rams fan because that's pretty cool. You get a home game, and then your Super Bowl is a home game in your stadium, regardless of the fans in it. It's your field. You know your field. You're comfortable at your field. So... First thing we need to talk about is how real are the 49ers? Now, I mentioned the Cinderella story. This is the NFC version of the Cinderella story. The 49ers started the season horribly. They were playing awful. Their defense was playing awful. Jimmy Garoppolo was not playing well. Their their playmakers were get were scoring points, but they weren't as consistent. Brandon, Brandon Ayuk was non-existent. George Kittle missed time at the beginning of the season. Debo Samuel missed a few games as well. So they were they were trying to get through. They've had multiple injuries at the running back position. And this is basically like a mirror image of the 49ers in the previous season because they were they were riddled by injuries uh, in the previous year as well, which just seems to be a Kyle Shanahan issue that he's been having since he became the 49ers head coach. But uh, how real are they? Now, they played well in Green Bay. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deny that they played well in Green Bay. Did they play good in Green Bay? Did they play great in Green Bay? Absolutely not. Their defensive front seven is keeping them in every single football game. Now their corners played well against Aaron Rodgers, uh, but they only played well against subpar competition. Devontae Adams was still open on some routes that he was double covered. They could not cover the running back out of the backfield. Now some of that was due to weather, so we'll see what they do. In Los Angeles, which is com the complete 180 of what they were in, in currently, uh, sorry, not in currently, but when they were in Green Bay playing, it's going to be like an opposite. It's going to be like a, a whole new life compared to last week. So we'll see how their defense plays. We'll see how the 49ers defense comes out and plays. Uh, you guys know I dislike their secondary as well uh, a lot when Josh Norman is probably your cornerback one. Uh, it's not good. Manuel Mosley, eh. Jimmy Ward, he's pretty good. Jaquiski Tart, eh. It's just, uh, I don't know. I don't trust their secondary. Now, I, their front seven is amazing. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, uh, the complimentary pieces that they can bring in. Uh, they've done a very good job in terms of depth on that defensive line. Some of these players I've never heard of before in my entire life. Whether they be 
uh, players that have been in the league a few years that they snagged in free agency, whether they be draft picks that they got in later rounds. The 49ers know what they're doing, which is why I would really enjoy having D'Amico Ryans as the head co- the next head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, which is what I'm hoping for. But <clears throat> to get off that soapbox, I don't know if that the 49ers can keep this Cinderella story up. I don't think that I don't believe that they can and it's all going to depend on are these injuries to these players that are hurt for the 49ers are they going to impact what's what happens with their offense and it's Trent Williams and Debo Samuel so one of the best left tackles in the league right now and probably the best wide receiver slash running back in the league as well as well so Debo Samuel took a helmet to the kneecap. He says that he's going to be good to go. I, If it's a deep bone bruise, he might be 80%. He might be 100%. We don't know. But he's an intricate part of that offense that Kyle Shanahan's been successful with the past month and a half. Their running game has been good uh, with Eli Mitchell, with Elijah Mitchell. Uh, they bring in Debo to run the ball as well. Jimmy Garoppolo throws less passes. Now, can Jimmy Garoppolo throw a pass that doesn't look like it's going to get picked? I have no idea based on the last game he played, which probably a weather probably a weather issue as well. But Jimmy Garoppolo throws some sketchy passes. And I haven't watched a full 49ers game like beginning to end live on TV maybe once, maybe twice all season. But his passes are either extremely high over the middle or... Or he's throwing to a receiver who's not looking, and the only person is looking is the DB. Uh, there were multiple passes he could have picked off last week by, by the Green Bay Packers, and they were lucky to get out of there with none of them. So I, I'm not the biggest lover of Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's similar to a Kirk Cousins. I think he's similar to a Ryan Tannehill, where they're, they're, they're good enough quarterbacks to get you there, but not good enough quarterbacks to win. So let's see what happens. Now, on the flip side, let's talk about the Rams for a minute. The Rams in the first half this season have been amazing. Now, every time they play the the 49ers, they come out in the first half, and in the second half, they have a stinker, uh, which they've lost to the 49ers, I think, the last six times they've played them. So for the past three years, I don't think that that keeps up. I, I think that Sean McVay is, is going to have a burning desire to finally flip the script on Kyle Shanahan. Their offense was clicking against a, a decent uh, front seven for the Tampa Bay Bucks. And the Tam- to, granted, the, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks did have their starting roster that they expected at the beginning of the season on defense actually play their first game together in the divisional round. So the players were out there, whether they were 100% or not, the better players were out there considering what they've been playing with all season. But the, the Rams were open on a lot of plays. Uh, Cooper Cup was not the only one. Van Jefferson, Tyler Higby. You got Odell Beckham Jr. who's starting to, to, to be on the rise. Cam Akers fumbled a lot, but Cam Akers is going to help you, along with Sony Michelle. Matt Stafford played well. He didn't start. He didn't start. He was the only person in the Rams on the Rams organization that didn't try and lose them that football game. He played well throughout the throughout the game. They just started to call conservative plays. So I I like the Rams in this game. The playmakers are going to have a field day in this game as long as they're healthy. Debo Debo on Jalen Ramsey is going to be great to watch. Odell Beckham Jr. and Cooper Cup are going to have a field day on this secondary for the 49ers. The only thing I'm worried about is the 49ers getting to 
to Matt Stafford. That's what I'm worried about because their front seven is their whole defense. So uh, it's going to be a great game. Both games are going to be extremely good. So definitely 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and I think 6.30 is the second game. So the Chiefs and Bengals play at 3, and then the Rams and the 49ers play at 6.30 Eastern Standard Time, depending on where you guys live or where you're listening from. But uh, the picks, the pick is in. I'm going with the Rams' money line. I want no part of points in this game. I want no part. But I think the Rams come out on top. They have the better offensive weapons. They have the better defense as a whole. And I think that Sean McVay's burning desire to beat Kyle Shanahan is going to get him a win. Uh, but I'm not guaranteeing it by a certain amount of points, which is why I'm picking the Rams' money line. Uh, and I'm going to go with the over. Uh, because I think that the Rams score at least 30, uh, which means Kyle Shanahan only has to score 17. So if that's the case, actually 16 to be honest, because the number's 45 and a half, which I didn't say before. Uh, but I'm taking the over of 45 and a half. I, I think that there's, I think that both of these games are going to be high scoring uh, because there is a potential for the offensive playmakers to be better than how good their the opposing defenses are uh, for three out of the four of these teams. And honestly, the fourth one being the 49ers, where their playmakers may be equal to their defensive front, I think that the 49ers are able to put up enough points in this game to stay relevant, uh, as well as able to put up points in the second half if there's garbage time involved anyway. So if the Rams are going to put up 30, which they clearly could have put up more against the Bucks, I think they can do it against the 49ers as well. So that, that motivation brings us to the picks again, which I will repeat. So it's a four-leg parlay. And it is 10 to 1 odds. So $5 wins you 55. So, well, $5 wins you 50 plus your money back. So, once again, first game, Bengals plus 7 and the over of 54.5. Also, please get on that because that number will go up. So, if you guys are listening to this, it's Friday, 4.41 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, get on that. Get that bet in before it jumps to maybe 55 and a half, maybe even 56. But jump on 54 and a half just to give yourself a little bit more value, a little bit more leeway there. Um, and as well, so the once again, Bengals plus seven and the over 54 and a half against the Chiefs. And then the Rams money line and the over 45 and a half uh, in the Rams 49ers game. So that's the four picks. That will be the EK parlay. We have this week, basically, and it's not a parlay anymore, uh, officially. So this is the last week we can win. 10 to 1 odds. Throw some money on it if you got some extra money. Those are my picks. Let's see what happens. Got to get a win before the end of the season. Please, Jesus. So, all right, guys. That will wrap the championship week preview pod Please get out and watch these football games. There's a big storm coming in through the East Coast right now. Shout out to everybody out there. Be safe. Uh, a lot of New Jersey's going to get a lot of snow. We're going to get a little bit here, but not as much as others. Uh, so be careful out there. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Good luck uh, for all the 49ers, Rams, Bengals, and Chiefs fans out there. Uh, good luck to you guys this week. We'll we'll see uh, by the next time I talk to you guys next Tuesday. We'll see who's in the Super Bowl, and hopefully maybe get even some more some more interesting news coming out of some of these head coaching searches as well. So definitely plenty of content to come. Uh, just a reminder: make sure that you guys listen to the podcast in the feed. If you missed any, no matter where you listen to podcasts, go back in the feed. Try and find me. 
uh, stepping stepping over my own toes, maybe making some wrong calls. Call me out. Uh, call me out. Tweet at me at All in Man Cave Pod. Call me out. Add me on Facebook. Give me hell uh, because I'm trying to be. I'm trying to make this the best pod, the best best sports podcast ever. And it's not right now. I'm just being honest. Uh, but I love talking to you guys. So any feedback is very very appreciated. Uh, so for all the listeners out there. Thank you once again. I appreciate the shares. I appreciate the likes. I appreciate the downloads. Uh, And follow me everywhere. Share the podcast on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. Share it via word of mouth to your coworkers, friends, whatever, your family. uh, Because everything helps. So thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I will talk to you when we have two teams left for the Super Bowl. And until then, like I always say, Later.